This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Foul Front podcast. Joining me once again is my co-host Thomas from Hoke Outdoors, and our uh, first repeat guest that kind of just waltzed his way in here, uh, Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. <laughs> yeah, doing well. Getting unpacked from game fairs and an eventful weekend, so got a lot on the plate at the moment. But excited to hop on here. Awesome, awesome. So we've got uh, a couple topics we have in mind tonight, um, specifically some North Dakota goose hunting. Thomas went up there, and uh, we'll hit on that. But we also have a giveaway that we announced the last podcast, and we're going to do that right now. I have the wheel of names spinning. There's, I don't know, almost 30 names, I think. So we'll see who the winner is. And then I'll message you on Facebook. So it is Thad Grubaugh. Congrats. You win a, oh, they do a little applause thing. There we go. How do I turn that off? Hmm. But yeah, Thad, I'll message you on uh, Facebook, Foul Front Podcast Group. Uh, You get a teal call, I believe, and a teal whistle from Chris Polk. Once again, thanks, Chris, for donating those. But let's roll on with the main topic, and that is North Dakota goose hunting. We might talk uh, the duck populations also came out, so we might hit on that too. But Thomas, take it away. Yeah, so North Dakota early goose season opened up this past Monday. I don't know how long it's they've had an August season for. It's pretty unique. Only two states that I know of have an August goose season, being North Dakota and South Dakota. 
And uh, so, yeah, it opened up Monday the 15th. I hunted for three days out there. was planning on hunting a little bit longer, but hunting was pretty tough out there for the geese. Uh, pretty much a complete 180 from last year. I'm sure most everybody heard about how dry the prairies were last summer, which was really bad for duck breeding, uh, but it was good for goose hunting because there was so little water that the birds were really concentrated on the big water. And also uh, because it was so dry and because they had a kind of an early thaw up there, uh, the wheat was all harvested up there when we were up there last year. So we were able to get on quite a few feeds on fields last year, mainly hunting cut wheat fields. You will find some birds and oats and uh, other fields that are cut, but mainly wheat fields. And uh, this year there was next to no wheat cut and it was just a lot tougher to get on birds. So uh, we still gave it our best shot. Ended up, I think, shooting a handful of honkers in uh, three days, but not quite the numbers that there were out there last year as well because they had a big snowstorm come through in April and that snowstorm seemed to have destroyed a lot of nests. You could actually notice two very distinct hatches out there. Uh, there was an early hatch or a regular hatch and a lot of those family groups were only two or three young and then there was a late hatch which a lot of those family groups were had five or six young but a lot of those birds still couldn't fly so they were stuck to the water. They weren't heading out to fields at all unless they could just walk up into them. So just made it tough, a lot different, uh, but it was pretty good for learning, I'd say, because uh, if you go out there thinking it's going to be the same every year, I think you're going to run into a lot of issues. So we kind of went from one extreme to the other, but uh, it was interesting to see and still had a lot of fun out there. Awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I was supposed to go up there and then last minute some things came up and I just wasn't able to and it sounds like I really didn't miss too much. I know that I saw a couple of guys had some really good success and our buddy Josh over there at Outdoor Limits, he had a good hunt, <laughs> had some geese in really close. Uh, that was a pretty good little video he made there. But uh, are you going to put out any videos from your goose hunts this year? Did you know? Yeah, I think I am. I think I'm going to combine the first two days into one hunt. Uh, we got, we shot geese on both those days, not a lot by any means, but we did get some birds in. And then also on the second day, we had just completely by accident, we set up on what ended up being a huge pigeon feed. So had some pretty incredible pigeon action. I've actually never shot pigeons over decoys before. And we probably had flocks of anywhere from, you know, singles and doubles up to 30, 40 birds decoying at 10, 15 yards over the goose decoys. So that was fun to see. And, uh, yeah, some fun shooting on those. They're way tougher to hit than I thought. I was just wasting shells on my second and third shots for the most part. Your first shot, they'd be just kind of slowly gliding in. I uh, don't know why they like those goose decoys particularly, but we were just using five dozen of the FA silhouettes, and they were just gliding in over them. But after that first shot, they would get the heck out of Dodge really quick. So, What was your uh, shot size? Yeah, number twos. <laughs> That's you, probably you, why you struggled to hit them. Were they bismuth or what were you shooting? Just steel? It was just steel. Yeah, three inch steel number twos. I was <laughs> did not expect the pigeons at all. So um, just yeah, be glad I, they weren't three and a half inch shells. <laughs> yeah, like BBs. Shot a couple birds at 
probably between 10 and 15 yards that were not quite edible anymore, but better used for dog training. Oh, yeah. There you go. So, what was, uh, what, how, how do you cook a pigeon? It's just like how you cook a dove. I've never yeah. ate a pigeon. Yeah, they're just like a big dove, basically, just a little bit more meat on them. You can clean them the same way as you clean a dove. So just slip your finger under the breastbone and basically just rip out the entire breast with the breastbone attached. And I just made some poppers out of them, which turned out good. I mean, they're they're eating the same thing as a dove would eat that time of year. They're just in those wheat fields or whatever sort of grain they can find. Yeah, makes sense. Now, when you were up there and, you know, we were, everyone else here stuck in the rest of the country, we were living through yours and Josh's little, like, videos or pictures you would send us. Um, I know you didn't see, you saw a fair amount of geese, but you also saw a ton of, uh, at least a few, you know, certain species of ducks. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much water up there right now. Last year... Like I said, it was pretty much all just big bodies of water. You know, you'd have some kind of cattle ponds and stuff that was dug out. But for the most part, their wetlands up there, even the bigger wetlands, are very shallow. So uh, pretty much all of those had were completely dry or had next to no water in them. And so there was not many young ducks at all. Uh, the ducks were really concentrated on the water that was left. And this year, there's just water everywhere. So the ducks are spread out. They had great nesting habitat. And um, I saw just a ton of ton of teal, lots of mallards, lots of gadwalls, surprisingly a lot of widgeon as well, which I'd always heard that widgeon uh, were boreal nesters. They went up to the boreal forest to nest kind of like green wings do, but saw quite a few widgeon. Uh, the only thing that I didn't see that I was a little bit surprised to not see a lot of, I saw a few, but not many pintails at all. And I know when the prairies are wet, um, pintails are known for nesting pretty prolifically in North Dakota and South Dakota. So that was a little bit concerning to see. And uh, that was also reflected in the uh, breeding survey. So I don't know where the pintails are, but hopefully uh, there's breeding somewhere else other than the area I was at in North Dakota. Cause I definitely didn't see many of them. <laughs> well, they're not in front of wherever Jordan goes hunting. We know that for a fact. <laughs> yep. They avoid him like the plague, thankfully. <laughs> now, do we want to just dive into this waterfowl survey? Well, we might as well, since we're already hitting on it. So uh, if you guys haven't heard the 2020, 2022 waterfowl survey came out this past week. And almost everything was down from 2019, obviously, because of COVID, 2020, 2021. They were unable to do the counts, so they had to go from 2019. The only two species that are up are blue-winged teal and uh, redhead. So, yeah, not, uh, not great, but luckily there is a lot of water up there, like Thomas has been saying. And hopefully, you know, we had a lot of better hatches. You know, obviously the ultimate drivers of waterfowl populations are nesting habitat and well, just habitat in general. So hopefully, you know, we, we will see a lot more ducks in the flyways next year and many years to come. But Thomas, what, what are your takeaways from this? Yeah, um, not exactly what we wanted to see by any stretch of the imagination, I think, for waterfowlage across the country. But one thing that is important to note and one thing actually, Matt, that we 
kind of messed up on on the podcast we talked about this previously and uh brock hardy brought this up in the facebook group Falfront facebook group is that this survey is purely the breeding survey so they do these counts before the birds have um, hatched out their nests and it's just counting how many pairs of waterfowl are look seem to be breeding so um it's really it doesn't take into account this year's production at all uh there is a north dakota brood survey that should be out before too long if it's not already out and that does um count the numbers of brews that they see in north dakota but this survey is it kind of lags a year behind so because we had two back-to-back very dry years 2020 and 2021 it's not surprising that the numbers are down so here's a question on that what's the what's the may pond count then it's just the total number of wetlands during may okay yeah so that should be an indicator for next year's uh, population survey, I would think. Sure. Is if the if the May count is up in the previous year, then next year's breeding population should be higher. Let's hope. Let's hope that's the case. Um. So when you were up there, were they still getting a lot of rain? I guess I haven't really paid attention the last couple of weeks. Um, how I, I know Texas got a ton of rain like yesterday, uh, like I think they said three or four months, uh, worth of rain down in Dallas or somewhere down in that area. So it seems like oh, literally wow. all the rain is going around Nebraska and Kansas and going either South or North of us, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota earlier in the year. And now it's going straight South of us. So it'd be nice if we could all just, you know, split the water and kind of have some, but, uh, yeah. So. That being said, we're rolling into September. You know, we're, what are we, I don't even know. I should know the count. I should have it memorized, but less than two weeks away from teal season here in Nebraska and less than that for dove season. I think your dove season opens up September 3rd, right, Thomas? Uh, yeah, it opens up first Saturday in September. So, yeah, that'd be the third. Okay. And then we kind of Ten. are the opposite of how y'all's teal season is the first Saturday, correct? Yeah, we're always like the first, well, Labor Day weekend usually is how ours breaks down that Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah, so ours is kind of opposite with Goose and Dove. Goose is always September 1st, and then our Dove always opens up the first Saturday or Labor Day Monday if that falls before that. Well, before the first Saturday. So if Labor Day is on the first or the second, then that would be the opener. Okay. How, how are uh, dove numbers looking in your area? Well, I'm not back in Virginia yet, so okay. I'm not sure what, not sure well, what they're, what I they're saw the millet like pond video, so. Yeah, no, that was, uh, my buddies are doing the habitat management back home this year, and uh, I kind of coerced, coerced them into doing some filming, even though they're uh they're a little bit uncomfortable behind and in front of the camera the first time they actually they did a whole they recorded the whole uh first episode for the millet pond series and they recorded it all vertically on their phone and i was <laughs> i was a little bit disappointed and i was like you guys have seen me make videos for three or four years have you ever seen me film anything vertically but uh they got it right on the second time and uh from what they're saying the dumb numbers are decent for what I'm hearing, though, is Virginia has next to 
very little cut or very little corn in the area of the state that we typically hunt. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects it. Typically the birds are feeding in uh, cornfields during September. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where, if the birds transition to another food source or if they migrate on us pretty quickly, but uh, North Dakota had a ton of doves, more doves than last year. It seemed like, and, uh, but last year they had a bunch too. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to dove hunt up there. They are just covered up with doves. Unlike anything I've ever seen in Virginia. Well, we're, we're thick with them out here. Um, I'm sure if we get a cold front between now and September 1st, we're going to lose a lot of them, but that's good to hear. There's still a ton, you know, North of us too. Uh, teal, <laughs> teal's going to be tough. We are like, I've, like I've been saying, we are bone dry still. We still can't catch any of those nice rains. And uh, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with it. It's going to be an interesting teal season for sure. Because I you don't say know that every year. By. And then it rains like the week of or the week before your teal I, season. I, I, but yeah. I've gone back and I've looked like the dates that we get those good rains. And, you know, usually it'd be like a thunderstorm that drops four or five inches across like a swath of area. And those wetlands in those areas are they they fill up and that hasn't ha- <clears throat> hasn't happened in the last last year it happened august 20th so we're already two days past that the forecast there's a chance of showers friday and then nothing else and then it highs in like the upper 80s to 90s and so it's not looking not looking good this year for the teal eh, i wouldn't say that going off dates is really worth anything for summer thunderstorms though i mean those are known for just popping up out of the blue so i think jordan's right i mean it could just happen any night you look at the radar and there's a big red cell to your west and boom all of a sudden your wetlands are filled up and that's what we've been hoping for but it seems like it just splits us so (laughs) we'll keep hoping Uh, that's all we can do matt's building up the drama (laughs) but you are seeing teal already though right there's limited pockets i went uh i went way way eastern nebraska this week and there's wetlands back that area maybe i shouldn't be saying this but there are some wetlands back in that area of the state um i mean you can look at the drought monitor and you can probably figure out which areas in the state have gotten rain this year but uh, and there was ducks on them I, I couldn't tell if they were teal or not but you know that was just encouraging to see waterfowl and water <laughs> Gotcha. One thing that I thought was really cool is I talked to a guy at Game Fair this past weekend, and he said on Wednesday in Wisconsin they saw their first push a teal show up. And when I was scouting in North Dakota on Wednesday, the it was the first day that I'd seen big flocks of bluewings moving around. And last year I noticed the same thing. It went from one day all you were seeing on all the little potholes was just family groups here, family groups there. And then the next day you you were seeing flocks of 30, 40, 50 uh, drakes all just buzzing around. So that was really interesting to see that he saw the same migration that I saw in North Dakota and Wisconsin. And uh, just goes to show how quickly those teal move when they do get the itch to head south. Now are so you going to... A- Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Here's a thought on that. So, I mean, uh, a lot of people, when they, when they talk about teal, they always talk about them being uh, more of a calendar migrator. But how much do you guys think that, uh, <clears throat> like, cold fronts and uh, northern winds uh, help them move along with being calendar migrators? I mean, it'll push them, but 
you know, there there is something to that. I, they go by photo period, if I believe. Is that correct, Thomas? You're kind of the resident duck biologist. Oh gosh, please don't call me that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, from from what I understand, they're they're photo period migrators. But I'm I'm sure that wind and weather has something to do with it. I couldn't even venture a guess whether those birds were moving moving based on photo period or wind. It, there was a big front coming in on Thursday, so if I sure, had to but like in, guess, uh, I would say they were moving in front of that front. And, and like in big duck season, we're always like, if you see like prediction of a northern wind, you're like, man, this this is probably going to be a good weekend. We got a cold front, a north a north wind. Um, it should be a good migration day. I mean, I feel like the same thing, even though it's like their calendar photo period, you know, the amount of daylight, it's like you'd still hope that, uh, or maybe not hope when I, when I see a North wind uh, and I was doing it this, this week, actually, I'm looking like the 14 day forecast. I'm like, Oh man, on August 30, 31st, it's supposed to be a 13 mile per hour North wind. I hope that brings the teal in, but <laughs> I don't know if that's wishful thinking or if it actually helps them. I mean, you would think it would just, I mean, you know, birds aren't stupid. If they can catch a free ride or reduce their calorie, you know, the the amount of calories they have to burn to move south, they're going to do it. So if they can catch a north wind and it's getting that time of the year, I, I guarantee it they'll they'll ride those north winds. Yeah, guarantee. I, this is probably a bad analogy for it, but I'd compare it to like shooting a, a shotgun versus a rifle in terms of. Um, the photo period is kind of a broad spectrum. Those birds, they want to move in a, in a period, let's say early September, blue wings are going to try to migrate or are kind of programmed to migrate in early September, but they're going to wait for that exact day where they have the easiest ride South, like Matt was saying. So, um, precision versus accuracy, I guess. Yeah. I mean, definitely a way better analogy than a moose. So I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Uh, oh but well north north dakota is always an awesome place i uh i guess the north dakota locals probably won't like to hear me say that and there was actually a lot of pressure out there this year and i don't know if it was more pressure or if the pressure was just more condensed because there was less cut fields i feel like that might be the case uh there was but i certainly saw a lot of people out scouting for geese as well but North Dakota is an incredible place, and uh, it's cool to – both times I've been up there, I've met people from other parts of the country as well. This year, I ran into a group of guys from Kentucky, and I ended up hunting with them two of the three days I hunted. And uh, it's just cool to see people make that same sort of pilgrimage up to uh, up to the prairie pothole region and uh, be hunting really what is a pretty unique part of the country. Definitely. I definitely, you know, I, I wanted to make it up there this year. Like I said, you know, stuff just didn't pan out and maybe that was for the best from your stories, Thomas, but I'm going to make it up there someday just because, you know, it, it, the pictures you sent, it just looks like beautiful country up there. Um, you know, it, it's definitely on one of my, on my list to hit up at least once, maybe for regular duck season. I haven't decided yet, but definitely want to get up that way. The uh the Kentucky guys did tell me, Matt, the, and I know you're in pursuit of a swan. They said the swans up there are just thick. So uh, it mm. sounds like if you went up there with a swan tag, you wouldn't have any problems filling filling that. Well, see, I put in. I've got a preference point officially for Utah this year. 
And they say non-residents you can draw usually with two. So we'll see if I draw Utah next year. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to go to go to North Dakota to get a swan if I don't draw Utah next year or something. But yeah, I definitely want to want to try getting a swan. That'd be so cool. Yeah, and I think up there you're not going to get a mounter quality swan, which personally I think uh, as big of a bird as they are, you know. I think everybody should try and eat one before you get one mounted. Uh, you know, I hate to think of a bird that size going to waste. So, uh, yeah, from what I heard, they have a lot of pin feathers during the time that they're migrating through North Dakota. So might be a perfect opportunity for you to go up there and get one and do a little cooking video with it. Okay. Yeah, I've heard they're similar to geese, I believe, is what I was told. Um Yeah. I've ate them a time or two, and they, they're they really similar to geese. Okay. Yeah. No, that's definitely, definitely want to try that out sometime. But, uh, Thomas, I know you have a teal season there in Virginia. Are you planning on he- hitting up teal season in Virginia, or are you doing Minnesota, Wisconsin? What What's kind of your plan for teal season this year? Yeah, our teal season is weird in Virginia. It doesn't open until – the 17th on the eastern side of the state and the 21st on the western side of the state so i don't know how much i'll hunt it it seems like our teal are the teal pushes we get typically come in the beginning of september so those teal are past us most of the time by the time our season opens but uh if we get a cold front during the right times i'll definitely try them it's just uh it's a tough tough bird to hunt in virginia i've hunted them probably 15 20 times and between all those combined hunts we've shot two teal so it's a lot of a lot of hunting and a lot of miles for very little uh, reward it seems like yeah i could see that <laughs> yeah teal hunting outside of the central flyway in early season because i don't think pacific flyway has one it's really just it's not <laughs> it's not a uh, man it's not the same so it's more i know just- there's pocket there's pockets of places where people do good, but um, yeah, it's definitely not everywhere because Indiana's the same way, and it doesn't help any that we can't shoot till sunrise instead of at 30 minutes before. Yeah, that, yep. I can't. I mean, I can. I get why they do that, but I just can't. Like, I, I don't get why it's different from one flyway to the next because, you know, it's Kansas, you can shoot half hour before. Nebraska, you can shoot half hour before. I don't know about Oklahoma or Texas, but – yeah, like you, you know, you go around the Mississippi flyway and you guys say, yeah, we have teal swimming until it's legal and then they fly away. So, yeah, I think I used to think that the only states in the Mississippi flyway that you could shoot half hour before was Kentucky and Tennessee, but you can also shoot wood ducks during that till season. Oh, maybe that's it. You know, they have you guys have more of the wood ducks. Not that we we don't have a few here, but. Yeah, we do have more wood ducks, so that's probably part of it. But also, I just talked to, uh, we had um, uh, Falling Tide, Nate, from Falling Tide on our podcast last week. He's from Louisiana, and he told me that they get to shoot 30 minutes before, so now I'm kind of upset. <laughs> but they get, down there, they get big old balls of blue wings. Sure, yeah, I know, but they're in the Mississippi Flyway. I was just chalking it up to uh, being in the Mississippi Flyway, but oh. I can't go with that excuse yeah. anymore. <laughs> The only states I've heard of it is Michigan and Indiana. Is it Wisconsin as well, or do you know if Wisconsin yeah, can shoot? Yeah, Wisconsin as well. Okay. 
Hmm. Wait, so you don't have to shoot? You you, don't, you can shoot them half hour before? Yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think all the states in the... Pretty sure all the states in the Atlantic flyway are 30 minutes before as okay, well. well. Then we can throw the wood duck uh, hypothesis out too, then, because you guys have just as many wood ducks as we do. Yeah, well, this this is. I'm curious now. So if anyone has an answer or a hypothesis, drop it in the Foul Front podcast group on Facebook. We need Let a state know. count. Which states are sunrise states and which states are 30 minutes before? That way you can plan your out of state teal hunting <laughs> trip accordingly. I mean, seriously, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna, well, I mean, even though we can shoot thirty minutes before in Virginia, it doesn't really do any good if we don't you're right, you're have right. any teal pushing through. So it's still mainly just wood duck bird watching. Yeah, I think everybody should just go to Nebraska for teal hunting. No, we don't have water. <laughs> like, if you come to Nebraska, good luck. I mean, they pump a few wetlands across the state, but um, you always see people in our local waterfowling groups. They that that is a uh, heated point of contention about how much water gets allocated towards those and the pumping schedule and all that. It's always every year, especially well, on dry years, especially that. And then you know they'll, they're federally managed typically, so there'll be cows on, or they might do prescribed burn on them in the summertime for uh, you know better upland habitat and stuff like that. So it, I mean it it's it's a whole thing. I'm not gonna get too much into that. <laughs> Other people that hunt those areas can. Yeah, don't come here. We don't have any water. Go to. Just means I was actually don't don't go to Kansas either. (laughs) Go to Oklahoma or Texas. They got all kinds of water now. Yeah, I was hunting with my with my buddy Mikey up there in North Dakota, and he said they are as wet as he's ever seen it before, or as dry as he's ever seen it before down in Kansas. Uh, Really short corn is what he was talking about a lot. How short their corn was. It looked like a lot of their crops weren't even going to make down there. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've got corn that didn't even tassel in areas in the state here. So, uh, it's I mean, it's dry. Like, we're <laughs> full-fledged drought. Mm. It's good to hear that they got water down in Texas, though, because um, I've well, heard that Texas <laughs> was really dry as well. You should look up the Dallas videos, because there's, like, a lot of flooding from Dallas, like, yesterday, I think it was. Huh. So <laughs> they might not have wanted that much water. But, gotcha. Yep. So I don't know. We're rolling up on about half hour here. I know you've got some stuff to do, Thomas. And uh, yeah, I think we'll probably just wrap her up there. Quick little episode for everyone out there. Um, we'll be back next week. Next week is uh, the week of hunting season. I guess this week is a special week here in Nebraska. It's game week. We play Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. So uh, go Big Red. We'll see uh, see if we can pull it out. But uh, other than that, we're counting down the days till September 1st here. Yep. So if I can give one more quick little thing uh, for all the people uh, out in Wisconsin, there's a uh, waterfowl expo out there this weekend. And uh, I'm going to be out there with the uh, – for drc calls i'm actually gonna stop there on my way to jordan's house and then back to virginia so i'll be up there on saturday and if anybody wants to come by and say hi i'd uh yeah love to see some familiar familiar faces or some new ones as well all right so let's put a quick plug in for all of our uh all of our other podcast people peers whatever you want to call them (laughs) check out jordan and uh, elliot's channel or (laughs) podcast the duck gun podcast 
Josh from Outdoor Limits with the Outdoor Limits podcast, Titus from Mid Valley Mercenaries with the MVM show. I got it right this time. And uh, all their YouTube channels as well. All uh, all great content. Everyone's going to, you know, we're all gearing up for hunting season. So check out Thomas's and I's YouTube channel as well, High Prairie Sportsman and Hoke Outdoors. And we'll catch you on the next one, guys. See you. Bye. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.